Hey, thank you so much for listening to this message. This is the Kingdom Church Podcast. My name is Harrison. I'm the pastor here. We are so glad that you're listening. We think this message is going to encourage and inspire you. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, enjoy. 1 Samuel chapter 16 says this. This is where we're starting this morning. It says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely... The Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. A few months back, um, my family and I, a group of us actually, uh, we went to this movie called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Anyone seen this movie? A few people. Now, I'm, I'm by no means recommending it. I'm just telling you that I saw it. And uh, what was interesting about this movie, uh, it, it's one of those movies that had tremendous reviews. Like, it got really high scores. And whenever movies are tremendously reviewed, I'm also, I'm always a little bit nervous. Because, like, you know how, like, a lot of times good movies get good reviews because they're, like, artsy and critics love it, but everyone else hates it? And so, like, when I were going to this movie, I was a little bit nervous because I was like, I'm not sure if it's going to be good or what, but we went to it. And uh, I can say without a word of a lie, for the first two hours of this movie, nothing happened. It's a two-hour and 40-minute movie, and nothing happened for the first two hours. And it was so boring. And, like, I'm looking over at Christy, and, like, she's pregnant and falling asleep. And uh, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then this movie, like, like, the last, like, 10 minutes or so had some action. But then it ended... And uh, all of us who were there, there was this general consensus, like, this is the worst movie ever. But my dad was there, and uh, we looked over at my dad when the movie ended, and for some reason, like, he had this glow in his face. <laughs> like, he looked like Moses after he saw God on Mount Sinai. Like, he was just beaming with joy, and he absolutely loved the movie. And uh, he just started talking. He's like, oh, my gosh. He's like, you guys didn't understand what was happening. But, like, and he just began to explain how this movie, a lot of it was based on, like, events that happened in Hollywood in the 1970s. Now, for those, if you can't tell, I wasn't around in the 1970s uh, in Hollywood. But uh, he just kept saying, like, these are real people in this movie and this and that. And he was just so excited. And so I'm one of these people that whether I like the movie or not, like, I was going to go home and jump on the Wikipedia train regardless because I like to learn about stuff and just, like, understand things better. And so um, when I got home, like, I realized I started, like, looking up this movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I was looking at Wikipedia, I was looking at all these things, and I just realized, like, oh, wow, like, there's a whole lot more to this story than what I just watched. And uh, it was cool because when I looked it up and I realized, like, oh, my gosh, Sharon Tate's a real person and, and, and all these things, it was just, it began, I began to see that there was more to the story that meets the eye. And when I understood that there was more to the story, I understood the movie better. And I began to see, like, okay, I can kind of get this movie. I still don't think it's that good. But there was more to the story. If, if you kind of haven't realized, I'm going to kind of teen up this series that we're starting over the next number of weeks. And uh, this series is called, if you can see the graphic behind me, there's more to the story. And it's all with the life of David. And David is one of my favorite characters in the entire Bible. And the reason I love David so much is because David is actually one of the most written about characters in the entire Bible. He's perhaps the most famous character in the Bible next to Jesus. I'm not sure if you guys knew this, but uh, David alone in the Old Testament, there are 66 chapters dedicated to his life. Not to mention the majority of the book of Psalms are prayers and songs written by David. And in the New Testament alone, David is mentioned 59 times. He's mentioned a lot. 
But what's crazy is like, for most people, when it comes to David, they know maybe one story, and that's David and Goliath. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's funny because, like, and we're going to talk about David and Goliath next week. Don't worry, I'm not going to skip it because it's a cool story. But, like, I've realized that David's life, it spans so many, so many chapters, so many books. There's, there's more to his story. But I think what happens is for a lot of us, like, it's easy to get caught up in one moment and one story and think that that story is what defines him. David has a characteristic. He's known as a man after God's own heart. And uh, that's a title. I, I'm not sure about you guys, but I want to be a man after God's own heart. I hope some people want to be a woman after, after God's own heart or a man or a boy, whatever it is. But I love this title that David has. But what I want to see, see throughout this series is that David did not get this title simply by having one battle. It wasn't because he defeated Goliath that he got this title of the man after God's own heart. It was because of a whole series of little decisions. And really, it was his whole life. And so I have some weeks planned out for this series. It's going to be like four or five, however the spirit leads. We've got 66 chapters, so... I could be in it till like next year, but we're not going to go that long. But what I want us to see is I want us to learn from David's life how we can begin to live the life that God has called out for us. And really what I want us to see is because I think we live in this culture, in this life, that people try to get defined by moments. And people a lot of times will define themselves by moments, but I want us to see that for God there's always more to the story. There's a bigger picture that I want us to see, I want us to paint out. And so this morning what I want us to do is I want us to begin to see David's story. Um, if I were to classify this sermon, uh, this sermon is actually a leadership sermon. But if I were ever to do like a leadership talk, um, I would probably do something similar to what I'm going to do today. And so some of you guys are like, why are you going to talk leadership? Well, I think this room is filled with leaders. And I think it's filled with current leaders and future leaders. And uh, there's just so much things from David's life that we can learn and leadership lessons that we can lean into. And so this morning... Uh, as we begin to look at David's story, we're going to look at the bigger picture, but through it, I want us to begin to learn about leadership and how we can begin to lead the way that God has called us to lead and how eventually we'll see David leads. And so in order for us to understand David's story, what we need to understand is that uh, there's more to his story. So most of us, if we know anything about the Bible, we will know that David is king of Israel. That's kind of his title. He's King David. Um, but what we need to understand is that before he was King David, he was David the shepherd. And before there was King David, there was actually King Saul. And so David is, is renowned as the most famous king of all of Israel, um, while Saul, who is the first king of Israel, is kind of often forgotten. We don't talk about Saul like we talk about David. But this morning, we got to start with Saul, because in order for us to understand David, we must first understand Saul. So i got to set some backdrop. You guys okay for that for a second? I'm going to just set a backdrop, and I need you guys to make some noise, because it's getting real quiet in here. Yeah. It's going to get louder, don't you worry. i got some stuff to preach today. Uh, I'm setting this up. I'm about to preach, though. You guys got your notebooks? Because I, like, I just got so many things that the Lord has put on my heart, and so I know some of you guys are like, I don't know if it's coming. It's coming. Before David comes Saul, you need to understand this. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel is the focal point. Uh, and Israel, if, if you want to uh, trace their roots back, they go all the way to Abraham and all his descendants. But the people of Israel, if you read the Old Testament, they are known as the people of God. These are God's people. If you kind of want to have like a picture of how they rolled, um, it, it would be similar to like Christians today. People that followed God. And so the nation of Israel, they followed God. And, and the, the marker of Israel was that Israel was different than all of the nations around them. God said, I want you guys to be different. I want you guys to stand out. That is how people are going to know that you are followers of God. And so one thing that made, it made Israel different from all of the nations around them 
was that Israel did not have a king. All the nations had a king that led the people, while Israel did not have a king. We all following? Instead of kings, what Israel had was prophets. And prophets were people that got messages from God, and they would relay the message from God to the people. That was how God spoke with the people. And so what happens in our story is that the prophet is interceding on behalf of God to the people, but the prophet Samuel is getting older. And so as Samuel's getting older, the people of Israel start tripping out. And they're like, okay, Samuel, you're getting old. Who's going to mediate between you and God? Who's going to give us the word? And so in 1 Samuel chapter 8, the people of Israel come and they say this. They say, give us a king to judge us like the other nations have. They say, we want a king. We want to be like everyone else. And here's just a side note. The fastest way to lose the blessing of God is to try and be things that God has not called you to be. You see, God said, I'm going to be the king of Israel. I'm going to be their king. But the people said, we want our own king. We want a human. We want a person to lead us. And so what happens is they beg, the, they beg Samuel for a king. And so God says, okay, I'll give you guys the king that you want. But you have to understand that when a person is in charge of you, he's going to treat you like a person. He's going to take your daughters and your sons away, and he's going to put them into service and, and all of these things. But God says, if you guys want it, I'll give it to you. Sometimes God gives us things that we want, but we don't think we don't actually need. But God says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you the king, but I'm going to pick out who the king is. We're all following? I'm going to pick out the king. And so this is where God speaks to the prophet Samuel and says, Samuel, I have found the king of Israel, and his name is Saul. He is the person that I have chosen. And so God chooses Saul, and in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 20, it says this. Samuel goes to Saul and he says, I am here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hope. Can you imagine this moment? Saul is there, he's just chilling, he's living his life, but then the prophet comes to him and says, hey, I got a message from God, you are the focus of Israel's hope. God has a plan for your life. Can you guys imagine that? I got good news, God has had the same thing to each and every one of us. He says, guess what? I got a plan for your life. And he says to Saul, you are the focus of all of Israel's hope. I want us to see what Saul says. Saul replies, I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel, and my family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking to me like this? This is super important. Because this morning what we're going to do is we're going to contrast Saul and David and what we're going to see is that Saul and David had very similar characteristics and very similar ways in which they were called. But what made Saul different than David is how David responded to the calling of God. So it's interesting because God says to Saul, he says, you are chosen. You are the person that I am putting my hope in. And Saul's first response, he says, me? He says, why are you talking to me like this? I'm, I'm from the smallest tribe. I'm from the least important family. You see, the first thing that Saul does, instead of acknowledging who God says he is, he reverts back to who he thinks he is. I need us to see this. Anyone do this? When God says something, when God declares a word over your life, he says, you are chosen. You are, but instead of us leaning into what God says to us, we begin to revert to what we call ourselves. You see, the reason I think Saul retorts this so quickly, he doesn't have to think about it. It tells me that this is something that Saul's been telling to himself for years and years and years. I'm from the smallest tribe. I'm insignificant. I'm not worth it. You see, 
I told you this talk is all about leadership. You see, Saul, the reason, and we're going to see this as we go on, the reason that he could never lean into his leadership, the reason that he could never go to the places that God called him to go, was because he could not see himself how God saw him. He could only see himself through the filter of how he saw himself. I'm small. I'm insignificant. I'm not enough. And so here's the first point I want to say as we get going this morning. If we want to get to where God has called us to go, this is the journey. How do we become people after God's own heart? The first thing is we need to adjust our filter. We need to adjust our filter. Now, I'm going to explain what this means, but what you need to see is that Saul saw his life through a specific filter. It was a filter that said, this is who I am. This is who I will always be. You guys aren't quite getting it. Christy, could you pass my phone for a second? Or Tito? Give my wife a round of applause. <laughs> I'm about to teach you guys a theological lesson through Snapchat. You guys ready for this? No? Take my, take my phone back. <laughs> Listen, here's what I believe to be true. We will always view life through the filter in which we see it. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Every single one of us has a filter in which we see life. You guys use Snapchat, Instagram stories? You guys ever used a filter before? Yeah. Come on, somebody. You guys ever used a filter before? Yeah. I know you guys have done it. Couples, I know you guys send each other weird pictures with the filters. <laughs> like, this is me as a... So listen, we cannot see ourselves differently than the filter in which we, which we view our lives. And so it's like this. I think it's what happens for so many of us is that we've been accustomed to viewing ourselves one way that we cannot see ourselves how God sees us. But the reason I need us to understand this is because God sees us in a way in which we don't see ourselves. And the way in which God sees us is reality. And often the times in the ways in which we see ourselves is just a filter. And filters are not real life. I'll explain it like this. Can you guys all see me? You guys can all describe me. We're going to say now that you guys are God. And so you see me for how I actually am. But so many of us, we view our lives through a filter. And so you guys all see this picture of me, of who I am and who I really am. But when I'm looking at this filter, all I see is a dog. <laughs> That's the filter I have right now. And so you guys can tell me anything about myself. You can tell me something, but if I am looking at this filter, it doesn't matter what you tell me because all I see is a dog. This is the dog that I've been looking at. Can you guys see it? Maybe I'll put that on my story later. But listen, the point is this. We need to adjust our filter. Because I think so many of us have become accustomed to viewing ourselves through a filter that is contrary to reality. So when God came in and he said to Saul, he said, you are chosen. He said, you are the one in which the hope of Israel is in. Saul could not step into his calling because he could not see himself how God saw him. This is what I believe to be true. God has a great calling on each and every one of us in this room. You are a leader. You are a future leader. You are a current leader. But unless you can begin to adjust your filter, unless you can begin to see yourself how God sees us, we will not be able to step into our destiny. And so we need to live our lives. Listen to this. Here's the point. I've told you guys to take notes. I'm not seeing many notes coming out here. We need to live our lives based on who God says we are, not based on who we say we are. So here's the question. How do we live our lives based on who God says I am? I'll explain it like this. At my gym, I've told you guys this before. You might not remember, but um, Wolverine from the X-Men, he works out at my gym. <laughs> and uh, if, you, if you guys... People, you might know him if you come to my gym, but doesn't, most of you guys don't. But literally, you guys know Wolverine from X-Men? He works out at my gym. 
Like you're not, like the, not Hugh Jackman, like Wolverine himself. And so like this dude at our gym, like he is the biggest, baddest dude at the gym. And uh, like I see him and like before he works out, like he'll like, yell at equipment, like he's grunting at it. And like he's just, he's intense. Like he lifts so much weight that like he goes and lays down after every set because like he's just lifting the world. Like he's a machine. But I was at the gym this week and uh, the Wolverine, I just, I don't know his name. I, I should talk to him. Um, but the Wolverine was there. <laughs> um, I should give him a different name. But he was there and I was, you know, probably stretching because my back was tight. Um, and like he's just there lifting the world. But like I was just kind of watching and lurking because like half my time at the gym is watching people. And uh, I was watching him and uh, then all of a sudden, so the Wolverine's there, he's just completely ripped and shredded and his claws are going to come out any second. But what happens was like this other dude walked by the Wolverine. And uh, it was this guy that I never seen before, uh, but he was just like this dude and he was kind of like, I mean, skinny, medium build. He had sweatpants on, like super baggy sweatpants, like a cutoff white shirt. And he was walking by uh, this, you know, the biggest, baddest dude at the gym. And then the guy at the gym looked at the guy in sweatpants. And um, this is Kingdom Church, so I hope you guys don't mind my language. I'm just telling you what he said. Um, he looked at the guy and he was like, you look blanking amazing. The word started with F. You can figure it out yourself. That's what he said to the guy. He's like, you look amazing. This is Wolverine to the guy in the sweatpants. He's like, you look so good. He's like, I'm, he's like your program has been amazing. You look so good. And I'm just watching and I'm lurking. And this guy in the sweatpants, like literally, he was kind of walking slumped over. But as soon, as soon as the Wolverine started speaking into him, he began to stand up a little more straight. This is not a word of a lie. And I just, I'm watching this conversation. You guys are like, how long are you lurking there for? And he's just, and he's just like, thank you so much. He's like, yeah, like I started this program and it's doing good. And the guy was just, again, like I just, like it was at least 15 times. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, you look so good. Like you look amazing. And literally because the biggest, baddest dude in the gym spoke life into that guy, that guy became bigger than he actually was. Now listen, we're asking ourselves, how can we begin to see ourselves the way God sees us? I'm here to tell you that the biggest, baddest dude in the entire universe has come down and he's spoken to each and every one of us and he has said, you are the coolest person i ever seen. You look amazing. We need to begin to see ourselves how God sees us. There's, and, and how do we do this? We need to begin to speak truths into ourselves. This is why reading the Bible is so important. Because listen to this, our picture of ourselves, our filter, our filters lie to us all the time. The filter in which we need to see ourselves is through God's word. And when God's word tells us that we're a child of God, that we are holy, that we are redeemed, that we are a royal priesthood, I can begin to see myself how God sees me. Listen to this, here's the beauty of God. God does not see us for how we are, but God sees us for who we could be. That's why we need to look at God through his filter because he has a perspective that we don't have. I'll, I'll tell you guys the truth. When God called me into ministry, when, when I first got started, I, I, this is a thought I had to myself. I was like, I'm not sure what I'm gonna do in ministry because uh, I, I can't preach. Like, I don't know how to speak. And literally I was like, maybe I'll just give Bible studies or something my whole life, I don't know what I'm gonna do. But you see, when God called me, God was able to see something in me that I couldn't see in myself. God could see me in the future and I could only see me in the present. And so when we're, looking at, when we're looking at life through these filters, these filters are not reality, but God's word is reality. And so Saul in this moment when God says, you are the hope, Saul couldn't see the way, himself the way that God saw him. 
And so listen to this, friends, though. Saul, what he did is that he was never able to adjust his filter. And so throughout his whole leadership, he always led from that picture of himself instead of that picture that God painted. He led out of insecurity instead of leading out of confidence. And I'll show us what happens when we lead out of insecurities, when we live a life based not on what God calls us, but we call ourselves. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, it kind of all comes to a head. And what happens is that God calls uh, the nation of Israel and Saul is king. He tells them to go to these people called the Amalekites. And God says to them, you need to destroy everything. You need to get rid of them. And uh, what happens is that Saul does not obey the order of God. And so instead of destroying everything, what happens is that Saul, uh, he keeps um, livestock for himself. He keeps some of their, their jewelry, some of their good things. He keeps them for themselves, for himself. When God had told them to destroy everything, Saul keeps it for himself. And what happens is that Saul, uh, that Samuel gets a word from God, and God says, this is the last straw. I have rejected Saul. I'm going to pick someone else. And so we may be thinking to ourselves, like, that's pretty harsh. He just kept a couple of cows and some grain, and, like, God has rejected him. But there's a bigger picture. There's more to the story. And that's how we started at the beginning. Because this is just a buildup of how Saul has led his whole time in Israel. He is always led out of insecurity instead of leading out of confidence. And I'll show us what happens. In 1 Samuel 15, he's making all these excuses. And so Samuel intervenes. Samuel says, stop. Because like Saul is just blabbering on. No, no, no. I, I, God, come on. Saul says, Samuel says, stop. He says, listen to what the Lord told me last night. Saul's like, what did he tell you? Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. You see, God has a way to see the reality, and God has a way to see through us and our excuses. You see, it was never about this thing, about, God, about Saul um, not following orders completely. It wasn't fully about that. It was more so that Saul always led out of his insecurities instead of leading, about, about leading through how God saw him and what God called him to do. And so this is what God says to Samuel. He says, you got to tell him that you, go back for a sec. He says, all, he says, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of Israel? You see, through all, this is many years later, but Saul still thinks little of himself. He's king, he's in charge, but he still thinks little of himself. Listen to this, position does not matter. You can be CEO of a company, I say it all the time. If your net worth is higher than your self-worth, you're still going to be in a place of, of, of deficit. And so Saul is king of Israel, but he still didn't see himself how God saw him. And so in every decision that he made, every little thing, he led out of insecurities. And so now look, God exposes Saul. And so now Saul admits his true heart. This is what he says in the next verse. Saul admitted, yes, I have sinned and I have disobeyed the instructions. Look at this. And the, and the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. You see, it wasn't necessary that Saul didn't obey the commands to a T. The bigger issue was that Saul listened to the people instead of listening to God. And the reason that Saul listened to people over God was because Saul never had a self-esteem that was high enough to simply follow God. He was always worried about what other people thought about him. And so listen to this, friends. Insecure people are always worried about what everyone else thinks. Chosen people worried about God, what God thinks. And we need to adjust our filter. 
Because listen to this, friends. If we live out of a place of deficit where we never feel good enough, where we never feel like we're called, we will be at the mercy of everyone's opinions of us. And this is the reason that Saul could not lead Israel. It was because Saul was letting the people decide instead of letting God lead. It's the same. insecure people are so worried about what everyone else thinks. But when we know who we are, when we know what our calling is, we're not worried about what other people think. I'll tell you this, Kingdom Church, people have had opinions about this place, what it should look like, what we should do, this and that. But guess what? We know where God has called us to go. We know what our mission is. And so when people say things like nonsense, we don't give it two thoughts. We move on because God has called us to something specific. We're not worried about what everyone else thinks. Insecure people are worried about what everyone else thinks. Well, people that are chosen by God and called by God are only worried about what God has called them to do. Listen to this, friends. This is for you as leaders. If you want to lead to the capacity that God has for your life, you need to lean in more to God than you do to people. We need to adjust our filter. Some of you guys, I told you it's a David series. We're getting to David. But in order for us to understand David, we need to understand Saul. And so what happens is that God rejects Saul as the king of Israel. And so in 1 Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, <clears throat> the Lord says to Samuel, because um, Samuel's mourning about Saul. But God says, you have mourned long enough for, uh, for Saul. I have rejected him as king. Uh, so fill your flask. I can't read back there. My eyes are not good. I gotta go back here. I tried my best. Um, the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem for a man named Jesse lives there. I have selected one of his sons to be my king. So God says to Samuel, he says, move on. I got someone new. This is what happens. Listen to this, friends. When we lead out of insecurities, God gives us grace. Saul's life, we looked at it in the snapshot. It was many years. But if we can never begin to see ourselves how God sees us, God has to move on to the next. Because there is still a purpose that has to be accomplished. And so it wasn't that God was insecure. I've, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we've spanned many chapters. And Saul led Israel for over 50 years. But he just couldn't see himself how God saw him. So God moves on to the next. And so God says to Samuel, he says, go to Jesse's house. And it's funny that Jesse, that's, that's David's dad, um, He's the only name mentioned, um, but he has eight sons and more daughters, and you think that, like, the woman who pushed all those kids out might get their name mentioned, but only Jesse gets his name mentioned. Um, but uh, God says, go there, um, for the next king is in his house. And so Samuel goes all the way there, and uh, he meets Jesse and his, fami his family. And what happens is that Samuel gets there, and in verse, um, verse 6, it says this. It says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. So what happens is Samuel gets there, and he sees Eliab. And Eliab is the oldest son. And this dude's good looking. Like, he's tall, he's dark, he's handsome. And so Samuel takes one look at this guy. He probably looks like me, I don't know, but... <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> When it says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, he sees this dude, and he's like, hey, this is the one. This has to be the guy. And, and I think a part of the reason that Samuel thinks this is because Samuel has just dealt with Saul. 
Saul was little. Saul was insignificant. He came from the smallest tribe. And so Samuel's thinking to himself, all right, God's not going to make that mistake again. He's going to choose someone qualified. He's going to choose the oldest son, someone who's good looking, someone who's got it all going together. But the thing I love about God is that our unfaithfulness does not change his plans. Look at this, what happens. Look what the Lord says. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is so good. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. You see, we live in a culture that worships the exterior, what we can see. Eliab was the oldest. Eliab was good looking. He had it going on. But what happens though, and so for, for Saul, like I said, for Samuel, he's thinking to himself, okay, God's going to switch up his plans. But listen, our shakiness does not change God's strategy. God has never been worried about the, in, as the, about the outside as much as he is the inside. You see, the problem with Saul was never his exterior. Because on the exterior, although he came from the smallest tribe, the Bible tells us Saul was also good looking. Saul was also a mighty warrior. And so he still had those external things as well. The problem with Saul was that his inside was never, um, could never match up to his outside. You see, his, his character never matched his competency. You see, we live in this time that we're so worried about competency. I need a degree. I need more wisdom. I need more money. I need more. But listen, if your character is lower than your competency, then God will never use you the way you want to be used. Because God looks at character before he looks at competency. God looks at character before he looks at all those things that you have that think qualify you. And so here's the, th here's the point that I want to make, is that uh, if, as a people, this is a leadership thing, right? We need to adjust our filter. Here's the second thing. We need to work harder on our character than our competency. We need to work harder on our character than our competency. Because, listen to this, friends, where could our lives be if we worked twice as hard on our character as we did on our competency? Because I think the majority of us, the things that we spend our life chasing are things to make us better people competency-wise. I need to be smarter. I need, I need to be wiser. I need to be this. I need to be that. But what God says, he says, I don't look at the things that people look at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. I was talking to a girl um, a few weeks ago, and she's, um, she's 18 years old, and she's been put in this position of leadership. And uh, she was talking to me, and she just said, she was like, Harrison, like, I don't know what to do because the people that I'm leading are like four or five, six years older than me. Like some of these people have degrees, and like, I don't know what to do. And so all I could tell her was what God has spoken to me. And I'm not sure if you guys could tell by my glowing skin, but like, I'm a young leader. Like, I'm not that old. And so all I could speak to her was what God has spoken to me. You see, one of the things uh, in the process of stepping out and starting a church, one of the things I was worried about was my age. And so I remember like, having talks with God, and I was like, God, let me just turn 25. Because like, when I turn 25, that sounds older. Like quarter of a century, come on. But one thing that God spoke to me very early on was that he said to me very specifically these same words. He said, Harrison, if your competency is higher than your character, I'm never going to use you the way you want to be used. And so you need to work more on your character than your competency. Because with age, we think comes competency. I'm gonna have, the older I get, the wiser I'm going to be. And God's like, that's fine, but I need your character to get there before your competency does. That's how God works, and that's how God elevates. 
And so for us right now, you're, you're in a situation, you're in a season, you're like, I want God to use me, get this. If you want God to use you, you need to work harder on your character and your competency. Because God does not see us, he does not see things the way that God sees things. He looks at the, outward, he looks at the inward appearance while we look at outward appearance. One thing that I've noticed over and over again reading the Bible, when it comes to leaders and just really qualifications for people, it never says things like schooling, it never says things like age, but it's always characteristics of character. That's what God looks for. That's, if you want to, this is just a simple thing, if you want to be elevated, work twice as hard on your character as you do your competency. I need you to write that down. If you want God to elevate you, work harder on your character. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care how long you've been doing whatever. I don't care if you're the CEO. Saul was king of Israel, but he was more worried about his competency than his character. And he could never see himself how God wanted to see him. And so Samuel, he's going through his list. He's going through these sons. He sees Eliab and it says this verse 10. It says in the same way, it says, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Now this, is, this would have been a, a big shock for Samuel because seven brothers have gone by. That's a lot of boys. And each one, as they come walking, almost imagine it's like an assembly line. Next, next. They all, all seven went through, and God has rejected all of them. You need to understand this. In the Bible, the number of seven represents completion. It's the end. And so when seven people came through, Samuel's thinking to himself, because Samuel knows the Bible, he's like, wait, that's it. Seven is complete. I don't, I don't, what, what, what's next? And then he says, he says, are these all the sons that you have? Is this it? I love this next part. It says, well, they're still the youngest, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. Band, come up. <laughs> My hand signals weren't working. Look at this. All seven brothers go through. Not one of them is the person. And so God says, and then Jesus, or Samuel says, is there anyone else? And he's like, well, there's David. But listen to this. He's just number eight. He's just the youngest. He's out with the sheep. Samuel's like, bring him to me at once. You see, listen to this. Number eight, what it represents is underlooked, undervalued, overlooked but not invisible to God. You see, we worship visible, but just because you're visible does not mean you're not valuable. Just because you're invisible doesn't mean you're not valuable. You see, some of the greatest people are the people that we don't see. It was David. It was the one who was not there. That is the one that God has chosen to be king of Israel. And I, and I, just, I just, I love this, this verse because we worship what is seen. But God always sees beyond what is there. He says, call for David. It says this next verse. It says, so Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. This is the one, anoint him. I need us to see this. I'm painting the bigger picture because there's always more to the story. I hope we've seen by now that Saul and David are very similar. 
Saul came from the smallest tribe, from the most insignificant tribe. David was the youngest. David was overlooked. David was just out with the sheep. But in both situations, God calls that which was overlooked, and he says, hey, bring him here, anoint him. This is the one. Saul and David are very similar. But David is a man after God's own heart, and Saul is someone that never lived up to his potential. Why? What separate? What was the difference? Look at this. It says, as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed him, David, with oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. I need us to understand this. Here is the biggest difference. If you remember, when Samuel came and anointed Saul, the very first thing Saul said was, What? Me? I'm just small. I'm insignificant. Now we have David. The exact same scene is transpiring, but here's what I want us to see. David is the youngest of eight brothers. How many of y'all a little brother? You have an older brother. In this moment, all of these brothers are there watching David. David's just a teenager. Everything in David, I'm sure in that moment, could have said, man, are you sure I'm the one? Don't you mean my brother? Don't you mean Eliab? But David in that moment does not say a word. He's not worried about anything else. All he sees is what God has called him. And God has said, you are the one. And so David says, if God says, I'm the one, I'm the one. And, and so he stood there in that moment and, and Samuel anoints him. The Bible tells us, it says, from that day forward, the spirit of the Lord was powerfully upon David. Wow. Over the next number of weeks, we're going to see exactly what that meant. But here's the thing I want us to see as we close up this thing. The reason that I want us to adjust our filter, the reason that I want us to work on our character more than our competency is because God will always choose the underdog. God will always choose the overlooked, the undervalued. And so what that means is we don't need to see ourselves how we presently are, but how God sees us. And so here's the last point. If we want to step into leadership that God has called us to, we need to be confident in our calling. Be confident in your calling. David stood there surrounded by his brothers. Every excuse could have gone through his head, but what he said to himself in that moment is, I am who God says I am. I'm the next king of Israel. Come on, somebody. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message was exactly what you needed to hear. Hey, if you have not joined us yet in person, we want to encourage you, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. You will find everything that you need and more, including how to plan your visit. We would love to see you in person and get to know you. We'll see you guys next time. Take care.